Somebody, will you put your hands together for the Lord? The atmosphere is charged now. The latter rain is here with us. The rain of revival is here. And the Lord will do his wonders. We shall hear that says the Lord. He will show us mercy. Amen. And show us grace. My papa is in the house. And I believe you're gonna live here transformed. Wherever he goes, a transformational. And I want you to trust God and believe that your life will be transformed. Amen. In a way you have never known before. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Say, mighty man of God, incredible in integrity. We love you, Papa. Amen. With a hand clap offering and a standing ovation as unto the Lord. Let's welcome our Papa, Dr. Michael Wadinyamiche. The CEO of the Makers of Chapel. Will you put those hands together if they are truly yours? Um, just super exciting to be back in Bristol. And um, for me, before I say anything, let me say that I love your pastors. Amen. Um, I love them. Amen. Not because I'm here. I love them because they love God. Amen. I have to be in this loving space Amen. to be able to flow and flourish with the people who love him. Because the world is so vile yes. that we don't have many people who are standing up for him. But I love your pastors because they love God and they stand for him. I love Lady Gifty, an amazing woman of God. I, I mean, we are having it come to Ghana to speak for the Makers House in our conference, in our women's conference that we are putting together. And um, I believe in the anointing and the, the, the grace upon her life. In the same vein, I believe in the anointing, the authenticity of the grace that Pastor Eric carries. We love you, man of God. We appreciate you. For us to um, let Pastor Eric stand on the platform of the Maker's House tells, tells me, tells everybody around us that we have absolute faith and confidence in their ministries and what you guys are doing in Bread of Life. We totally, absolutely believe in you. Praise God. You came with the Bible with you. Um, today is the opening night. I don't intend keeping you for long. I'm going to share some um, few lines with you, pray with you, minister to you as God will have it. And then we take it from there. You have your Bibles with you? Can you lift it up with me and say, this is my Bible. It is the word of God. I'll become what it says I can become. I'll go where it says I can go. I will achieve what he says I will achieve. Slap your chest and say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. Come on, say it again. Say, I am a believer. I want to invite your attention to the book of St. John's Gospel, chapter number 6. St. John's Gospel. 
chapter number six. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Oh. Sometimes you look around and you might throw your hands in despair because there is nothing that tells you that things are going to be alright. And sometimes you look around and there is no hope. But if you can only remember that this God is faithful, yes. you will run through the storms. Yes. You run through the troops and leap over every wall knowing that he is faithful. And his faithfulness is from everlasting to everlasting. Amen. Talking to somebody and he, I, I told him that if you want to do anything with anybody, please check his history. The track record of the person should give you a clue if he can pull it through. Because if somebody has been divorced three times and they're going to get married to that same man, all right, wish you well but there is a very high chance that you'll be the fourth because of his history if somebody has been violent abuses women beats them the first wife said there was an assault the second wife an assault the third wife an assault fourth wife an assault what makes you think that you will not be assaulted. Of course, the history of an individual should give you a clue when it comes to transactional relationship. I'm saying this to mean that this God has a history. Yes. 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 Amen. 
He has a history of faithfulness. That anybody that he dealt with, he was faithful to them. And if he was faithful to Abraham, to Sarah, to, to Reuben, to Jacob, to Isaac, to all the people of old, to Joseph, to a Rebecca, to a Ruth, to a Naomi, there is no way he will not be faithful to them. Can you look at somebody and say he has history? Yes. No, look at another person and say this God has history. Amen. I, I am thankful that I serve a God who, who has a history. And history is actually his story. The story that talks about him. What he did through time. If you beam through the expanse of time, his fingerprints on time. This God is faithful. There is nothing he has said about you that he won't do it. Amen. Can I get you for a minute, put down your Bible and hold somebody's hand. I, I just want you to put down your Bible, hold somebody's hand. In the next two, three minutes, I want you to pray to activate the prophetic statements over the life of your neighbor. I'm talking about the God of faithfulness. The God who says and it comes to pass. The book of Lamentations. I love that book although the name is not very pleasant. The book of Lamentations. And some of you um, you've written your own Lamentations. You've, you are always lamenting. Why things are not alright. And sometimes when somebody looks at your face, it's a whole chapter of lamentations. You're not cheerful. Can you, can you look into the eyes of your neighbor and see if you can have a chapter in the book? There are people who no matter what happens, they are not cheerful. It's just like they, they, had, they took a bite into a lemon. Hmm. The face is not encouraging. But I want us to pray because before I get into my test and what I want to share with you, I strongly believe in my heart of heart that we are in the end times. So when they talk about latter rain, it's, it's actually an end time message. I'll give you the rain. I'll give you the former rain moderately. I'll bring you the rain. But the glory of the latter rain shall be greater than that of the former. And in the latter rain, you are talking about the closing phases, stages, pages of history. But we carry some words that need activation before the book finally closes. How many of you have had a prophetic word? Maybe God spoke to you directly. Somebody spoke to you about a prophetic word. A word came to you. A rima came from God. And it was slapped on your life. And you are really wondering, how is it going to come to pass? How many of you have gotten there before? You are really wondering how a word is going to manifest. Now God wants to give you a line. God wants to give you this, that, that. And sometimes... The prophecies might appear too lofty for manifestation. If it is not bigger than your dream and capacity, 
it is not of God. Whatever word that is given to you that you feel, okay, this thing is going to pan out. It was a motivational note you had from somebody who has high hopes in your capacity and ability. But if God is truly to speak to you, it must come to you with a shocking statement. Mary, Mary, you have found favor with God. <laughs> Me? Favor? You, you're going to have a child. His name is going to be called Jesus because he's going to save his <laughs> How can this be? Knowing I know not a man. That is the reaction of a word that comes from God. Every word that comes from God is first met with doubt. If you did not meet it with doubt, it was born out of your natural capacity. I'm Sarah, a year about this time you will have a child. <laughs> See these guys. Because my husband gave you food. See what you're saying. I'm going, I will come back according to the time of life and your wife Sarah will have a child. <laughs> See, stomach prophets. They just had food. And they are lifting the expectations of my husband for nothing. Ah, it has even ceased to be with me according to the manner of women. I don't even have anything like that anymore. Anything that God says that is not met with doubt actually is not God moving. If God really wants to take you to another, that, that, um, um, standard shattering moment it has to be met with doubt that you have your standard God will have to shatter your standards and everything and how can this be how many of you have gotten there before I want to see how many people have gotten to how can this be you know you are getting old and God says I'm going to bless you with marriage I mean how how can this be I'm going to give you twins at 40 Twins? In this time, we are no more in the times of Sarah. Twins, 40. 50. God says, I will give you a chance. The ghetto, American ghetto guy say 50. 50. At 50. 50, you. No, God, please. Don't, don't joke with me. But hold somebody's hand. Somebody who has gotten there before. Who has ever asked God? God, you said you'll give us the city of Bristol. <laughs> and you sent us to Bristol to make impact. And yet every day, the numbers in churches are dwindling and pups are swelling. How can this be? People find solace in theaters. Than in the church. How can this be? Now shopping malls are full. And churches are empty. How can this be? That a place where missionaries were sent to the world. And people were sponsoring the things of the kingdom. And yet. Churches are the most underfunded. In this part of the world. How can this be? 
yet God has spoken. The words he has spoken shall surely prevail. That's, that's what we know. But I want you to pray for your neighbor. I don't know the word he is carrying. I don't know the word she is carrying. But you want to go to God that made the faithfulness of our God. I, I don't know, but I feel like something is shifting in the atmosphere. That the faithfulness of our God will be seen upon the life of your neighbor. That God will be faithful. Oh yes, Lord. That the faithfulness of the Elohim, that the words he has spoken shall surely prevail. That God will be faithful. Will you lift your voice and pray? That the words he has spoken. Come on. Come on. Would you lift your voice? Would you lift your voice? Come on. Every prophetic word, every word of Rima, O Lord, hey, Father, let there be a glorious manifestation in the name of Jesus, in your faithfulness, O Lord, in your faithfulness, O Lord, Father, for your faithfulness, O Lord, you will do anything, every word you have spoken, Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand in awe of you today. Amen. We know no other but you. Amen. We can't serve any other but you. Amen. We'll be like Joshua who will look at the crowd and tell them you can serve any God you want. But as for me and my house, yes. we will serve the Lord. Amen. We stand in agreement with a patriarch called Joshua. That for us and our households, we will serve you. Amen. Generations that will come after us will serve you. Amen. Our children's children will serve Amen. you. Amen. We serve you irrespective. <laughs> Although the fig tree will not blossom, there will be no fruits in the vines, yet we will serve you. Amen. We love you. Thank you for fulfilling your prophetic word. We give you praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If the Bible is yours, I invite your attention to the book of St. John's Gospel, chapter number 6. John's Gospel, chapter number 6, is a very interesting read. Actually, the entirety of the book of John is a very interesting read. Those of you that have ever taken time to go through the New Testament canon. You've done Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Acts of the Apostles, probably proceeded to the book of Romans and the rest, done the Corinthians, the Pauline epistles, and done all of that. 
the book of John finds itself talking about the passing of the Christ. And the more you read the book of John, the more you appreciate not just his works, but his passing. Because unfortunately, the reason why there appears to be a disconnect between what we say is our faith and what we do is because there are people who are only concerned about the works of the Christ or the works of God. But they don't actually want to know the person of the Christ. Others want to know his person but not his principle. That is, an, that is a graduation into another realm if we want to go on that tangent. The other day Moses said, they might want to know your works but I want to know your ways. Because if you know the ways of somebody you can do the works of the person. Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do, because you have known my ways. So for you to do exploits, you need to know his ways. You need to know Amen. how it is done. Amen. The difference between a consumer and a manufacturer or a producer is that the producers are used to the systems and the processes that, that brings out or churns out the product. The consumer doesn't want to know. He just wants to know the aesthetics and what happens around it. If we are going to make impact in our time, we should rather be producers, not consumers. Amen. Today I was sharing something. We were talking, myself and Pastor Eric, and I was saying that at first the church used to lead the way and the world followed. So wherever there was church, people wanted to buy land around it because it becomes expensive to live around the church because around the church is development. Yes. The churches will go with their schools and their hospitals. And so, I don't know about the UK, I don't know about your place, but in, say, the US, like Isaac will tell you, a good school district will inform the value of properties around. So when a church goes to a place, schools are built, good schools are built, good hospitals are built, and so the value goes up. These days, the churches don't lead, the churches only follow. And unfortunately, we follow and follow the world instead of following the Christ. So that the world will now follow us. We are the light of the world, and that is not an excuse. Being called the light of the world is not a title, it's a responsibility. If you are called the light of the world, it's not a title God has slapped on you. It's a responsibility, it's a call to duty. The book of St. John's Gospel, chapter number 6. I'll read some few lines, I will share some few thoughts, we will pray with it and minister to you even as the Lord leads. Have you found it yet? And I must say that I'm very happy about the conference. I'm glad all of you showed up. It's beautiful. Amen. It's going to get heated up even as we progress. In the book of St. John's Gospel, chapter number 6, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Have you found it? And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were deceased. Not dead, diseased, they were sick. 
Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples. The Passover feast of the Jews was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that they may eat? If you are seated, would you please stand, even as I read the concluding parts. We want to give reverence to the word of God. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew, if the Bible is yours, you can boldly underline that. He himself knew what he will do. Before God will ever ask you a question, he has the answer figured out. He normally wants to just make sure that you're on the same page. If God throws you a question, normally he doesn't demand an answer. Because he knows the answer. He knows what he's going to do to get it fixed. He just wants to make sure that you don't stray far. He brings you home. Come home. Come. Come reason with me. Book of Isaiah, God will now give a clarion call to the nation of Israel and tell them, come reason with me. God sometimes wants you to reason with him, to be on the same page with him. He himself knew what he would do. And yet he asked them, can we find something for these guys to eat? Philip answered him 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them now in modern terms i in in, in u.s is a lot but in pounds you are talking about a whole lot he said even if we have that money available it will still not be enough then every one of them it take a little not even much <laughs> One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here. He has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Five loaves of bread and two small Understand that the fishes are qualified with an adjective. They are small. And Jesus said, make them sit down. Now there was so much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to his disciples. And the disciples to them that were sat down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments, because the heavens does not encourage wastage. Although it came about miraculously, God doesn't encourage. Can you tell somebody God, God doesn't encourage wastage? That person is the wrong neighbor. Look for a good neighbor and say, good neighbor. God doesn't allow wastage. So though it came about miraculously, and there were only five loaves of bread and two fishes, he told them, gather them, and he filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five belly loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth that prophet that should come 
into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed onto into a mountain himself alone. Maybe um, not today, but maybe tomorrow I will share some things with you about having a strategic plan of exit. Because sometimes it is not every applause that you rise to. We might talk about that tomorrow because I, I'm, I'm going to be here with you throughout. In fact, if you are bored with me, you have to, I don't know, but, but you, you have to endure. I mean, life is about two E's. It's either you are enjoying or you are enduring. Look at somebody and say, choose your E. Come on, come on, tell somebody you have to choose your ear. You either endure or you, or you enjoy. Can you ask somebody, what's your choice? What's your choice? You can choose to endure. You can choose to enjoy. I pray you'll enjoy your times with us. And Father, in the name of Jesus, let us pray. We pray, we know that grass will wither, the flower will fade, but your word will abide forever. We pray that you give us a word that works. You anoint this lips of clay, O oh God, and make it an instrument of a blessing to somebody's life. To the end, our voices shall be lifted unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I want you to look for somebody and tell them what you have is enough. Can, can you look for somebody and tell the person what you have? is enough and if you've done that you can take a seat what you have is enough it is amazing that we are doing again St. John's Gospel as I mentioned earlier if you do the chapter number 5 you realize that Jesus was talking to them about them not having the revelation of his passing he said, you have been reading the scriptures and you believe that the scriptures are going to give you eternal life. And yet, the scriptures, they do testify of me. And yet, you don't receive me. He went on further to talk about the fact that he is not in this world with his own name, but he came in the name of his father. He said about honor and he talked to them that he is not here to receive honor from men. Actually, that is the book of St. John's Gospel, chapter number 5, the verse number 41. That is not in this world to receive honor from men. The, problem, the reason why the church has become toothless or powerless and we can't bite is because we are looking for the applause, the endorsement, validation from men. And the more we look for validation, endorsement, the applause from men, the more we lose our strategic direction. When a church loses its strategic direction, we loses our level of impact. When we lose our impact, it means that we've conceded on our relevance. The moment we concede on our relevance, it means that we have lost leadership. Because people only follow the light. When there is darkness in a place and you see light, people gravitate towards the light. So what God was saying when he said you are the light of the world simply means I've placed you in a position not just of advantage but to lead. Jesus said, I'm not here to receive honor from men because men in themselves don't know what they want. If you ever get into meetings where you are doing product development, although you have your market research, 
and you know what exactly the needs of the people are. You understand that people's needs are measured to a very limited level. People might have need for clothing, but the manufacturer, the product developer has to now decide what kind of clothing to give them. The fact that you need a shoe doesn't mean you need a shoe with a buckle. It is the product developer that decides whether he will put on a monk strap or a buckle. Or he's going to do it a loafer or a slip-on or a laced-up boot. But your need is a shoe. What I mean is that men don't really know what they want. So if you want honor from men, they will lower your expectation. Men will let you celebrate too quickly. That is when you... you uh, a very good friend of mine um, in his country, there was an election and um, he had, of course, won the election at the polling stations. And I called him and I said, sir, don't celebrate because they're going to change the results. He said, oh no, don't have to worry. We have all, everything, mine. The people at my data collection center, they have everything together. The statistics, there is nothing. I said, sir, Augusta, you don't have to celebrate too quickly. He asked me, so what do I do? I said, now you have to um, quickly give your um, data and your information to the um, European observers and the, all the the AU, the ECOWAS, all of them, give, give them your data. He said, no, it's illegal to do that in my country. I said, well, if it is illegal, they are going to do something very illegal. <laughs> they started changing their results. When he had 20 here and 50 there and 70 there, where he had 50, he had come to 25. Where at 20 was two. So it's 20, they just take the zero away. So gradually the man was now losing. He said, No, what I own and what they are. The people around him told him, No, you don't, there's no need. And immediately when they had the data, they were calling him Your Excellency. They were calling him Mr. President. Oh, congratulations, Mr. President. If you seek honor from men, they will cause you to lose your sight on the ball. That is why if truly you want to make significant strides in the expanse of life, it is not people that you have to follow. People who really do well, they are not men-driven. If you are people-driven, you won't do well. Of course, I understand what people mean. I understand what, what your constituents mean. I understand all of that. And again, of course, as somebody who teaches marketing, I know that people should be your focus. You should be customer-centric. However, when it comes to the things of life and destiny, it is not a matter of selling. It's about you taking the hard decisions which might not be pleasing to some people who happens to be in your constituency. 
And the fact that your constituency does not applaud you doesn't mean you have failed. Yes. Amen. Jesus said, I did not seek honor from men. The reason why a lot of pastors are failing in our times, man of God, is because we are looking for honor from men. We think that if people clap them all, that is when we get our validation. But I pray that we get to a place where God will release a new breed of people whose validation will come from God himself and God will say that this is my beloved. Hear him. Do you think Jesus had his validation from men? The heavens opened and a voice thundered from above. And said, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. We have to get to a place where God is pleased with us. Amen. We have to get to a place. And when I say God is pleased with you, God is pleased about everything about you. Your time management, God is pleased with it. I might have to probably um, digress and just tell you that your time is so important to God. God wants your time, not just your money. There are people who think they can bribe God with your... Okay. Michael, hold it together. Hold it together. There are people who think that they can bribe God with the, 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 the change they have. Change. This God owns the cattle on the thousand hills. So there is no amount of money you have or you can give him that will make him happy. So God is also interested in you. So when we talk about giving, I was talking about you give your time to God. If you have 24 hours in a day when you are talking about tithing, it means you tithe on your time. It's a currency. So two hours, 40 minutes of your time, you should not be seeking for £9.50. Where you clock nine pound fifty, fourteen pound fifty, twenty pounds an hour. So twenty, God is saying that that twenty twenty pounds an hour, and you need to give me two hours forty minutes. Clock it down for me. That is the time you use for your Bible study, your personal devotional with God. Amen. When you started looking for pounds, how much of it do you have? <laughs> Will you ask your neighbor that for me? I just want to know. Maybe I, I'm just being sermonically nosy, but I want you to ask somebody by you. Since you started hunting for the pounds, how much of it do you have? I, I was talking to today we're just sharing something about a man that god allowed me to bless when i was in the u.s i gave him um a significant amount of money in their thousands of u.s and i gave it to him i was just led all the money that i had on me god said you know what go and give it to this man i said god you know what i, I could have okay no problem god, okay god said i i and this is a big man God said I should give this to you. I got here and he sent me a message and said, thank you for the seed you gave me. I said, it's nothing. He said, you have no idea what it feels like for your account to be read. 
He said, he said the account red. As in super red. And yet, the, and so sometimes you can be chasing after it and you never have it. Because the approach of getting money, people don't really understand it. Can I use one of the days of the conference to talk about increasing your financial portfolio? And wealth creation and how to... Because sometimes I believe that people really... People who go in hand for money never find it. People who sit at home get the spoils. Because there is a gravitational force for money. And money gravitates towards where there is peace for it. I will say something in my local language. I will interpret it for you. Don't worry. And those of you who really wanted to understand what I said, I was speaking in tongues, but the people had a spirit of interpretation. What I meant was, anybody who, who is a hot man, hot man, I mean, who is always looking for money, there are people who never have it. And every time you meet them, oh, I'm going somewhere, I'm going to look for this, I'm going, it's, every time it's like, they, and they never have it. So probably, can you ask your neighbor, do you have the money yet? <laughs> There are people who listen. When Jesus says you can never serve God and Mammon, uh, maybe it needs to be demystified. You can never serve both. A lot of people serve money and they use God. That is why they occasionally go to church. They pray when they feel like it. They don't work when they feel like. They pray when they feel like. When you do that, it means you are showing where your loyalties and your allegiance are. You can't serve God and serve mammon. Simply means you have to have respect for one and lose respect for the other. A lot of people have more respect for pound than God. It will amaze you to know that if a multi-millionaire walks into a room, everybody begins to become nice around them. <laughs> oh, you don't know? They are too extra nice. They will go the extra mile to make sure the guy is comfortable. Oh, do you want anything, sir? Cup of tea or coffee? What do you want? If, if, if he doesn't want it, they will offer it. If a poor man okay. we are closed. <laughs> Jesus is saying that uh, you are living in a time where people want honor, but they honor for men. But I don't seek that. Jesus now begins to talk to them. And the Bible says that when Jesus had seen the multitude coming towards him, he had compassion on them. Why we have lost power as the church of Jesus Christ is because we don't have compassion anymore. The church is only interested in what we can get from the people. Man of God. 
where people are seen as numerical advantage financially. That the more the crowd, the more you have money. So in America, people are doing everything to have mega churches. Because if it's a mega church, but being mega doesn't make you major. Because the truth is, anybody that sits under your ministry, God is going to hold you accountable for their souls. The reason why we can't allow you to keep having your diapers on, and we have to tell you the truth, and speak truth, and tell you that you are here in transit, is because after all is said and done, we are going to be held accountable. So we can't just be looking at you and tell you everything is alright when we know that you are in sin. We are losing our power base as a church. We have lost our compassion. We, don't, we are no more thinking about the poor and the needy. The people who don't have any more. When there is a disaster in the nation, the church is the last to respond. When a nation is in crisis, the church is the last to respond. When there was crisis in Haiti, ask yourself how many churches in the UK even said, let us donate our Sunday offering to them. We don't think about people anymore. We have lost it. We've lost it. We are only thinking about how to build fanciful cathedrals. Filling them with people because we see them as merchandise. Because the more you have them, the more you increase your wealth portfolio. But there are sick people. Jesus said, when I was in prison, you visited me not. Yes. How many of us are busily praying and asking God, where do I channel my resources and my income when it comes to the kingdom? That even supporting bread of life is a problem. You have been praying about it. And you don't pray to support God's work. You don't pray to support God's work. Do you pray to sleep? It's a natural thing. If you're a child of God, it should come to you naturally to support God's work. Yes. Uh, I give my money to the ministry, to the pastor, and the pastors are living well. Man of God, if you give your money out and you are still thinking about its usage, it was not a sacrifice. It was a waste. Sacrifice is never complete until it leaves your heart. So when I give my money, whatever you're going to do with the money is not my business anymore. That is between you and the God you claim called you. I have fulfilled my godly mandate and assignment. I did what God wanted me to do. The rest is between you and that God. And if you are lying to me in the name of God, God will hold you accountable on the day of judgment. So I will not put myself in a position of disadvantage by saying that because of your recklessness, I will not do my divine duties. I'll carry out my godly duties and allow you to suffer the repercussions of your actions. We hold on to our resources because we don't really love him. 
We don't have compassion. We don't care. We've lost our sense of care and compassion. Read your scripture. And Jesus had compassion on them. And Jesus asked the disciples, guys, these guys shouldn't go home empty. We need to find a way to feed them. Jesus, you know, we can't do that. Have you noticed that people who surround themselves, I mean, who get around leadership, they are the people who normally, if leadership does not know what their mandate is, will stop them from doing good. That is why it is very important, man of God, to select leaders carefully. Jesus' opposition in doing good always came from the people he was working with. Oh, Jesus, no. Even if we had, we can't serve them. We can't feed them. There are too many. They, they, no, it's not possible. It, it, it's not possible. So you, if you're not mindful, you surround yourself with people who feed you with impossibilities. They'll always lower what you know you are called to do. If you're not mindful, the people that will come around you as a church and as a person, you yourself as a person, you surround yourself with people who whenever you say that this is the time to go, they'll tell you, no, it's not time yet. I pray that God will take those people from your life. I pray that God will only introduce into your life people that will fuel your destiny and help you move forward even as God wants you to. Am I talking to somebody at all? Jesus had compassion. And he asked them, these guys can go home empty. They have been here. We need to feed them. The Christ who is not thinking about this, healing their sick, but filling their bellies. It tells you that church and man of God, being godly, is not just a spiritual act. It serves the three dimensions of life. And the eight pillars of the society. Being spiritual, being godly, is not just speaking the words of life. When a brother comes to you and tells you, I am hungry, and you tell your brother, I'll be praying for you, you are an evil man. <laughs> oh, brother, I'm hungry. I, I'm hungry. And you say prayer. Now, prayer, we chop. Who chops prayer? Nobody feeds on prayer. If you have food in your fridge and you have something the person can live by and you did not even heat it, microwave it, for the person to say, you know what, I don't have a lot of money on me, but I have this food. I was, I was saving it for tomorrow, but can you have it? And we can all believe God together. We have lost our sense of compassion. So what help can do, we want prayer to solve. Sometimes the brother sitting by you doesn't need your prayer. He just needs an arm around him telling him everything's going to be alright. And that's all he needs. Compassion. Empathizing with the neighbor. Not talking about them. We spend time gossiping, not helping. And sometimes the people we sell our stories to are not in positions to help. Even though they could have helped, they don't want to help. Have you heard? Yeah. The sister, uh, that sister, although she sings like that, she has a problem. <laughs> she has a problem. You know, 
and, and the way they will go about it, they will start as if it's an important conversation. Yes. <laughs> you will not sing. The young man will choose to sing for God and you have a problem. We are not in places where we offer help even though God has placed us to help others. And Jesus will now talk to them. And probably let me go straight into my sermon and stop digressing so I can pray with you. Um, this is very confusing. I don't know what the time is. And so I'm trying to look. Um, okay, I've seen it. I've seen it now. Um, the, the arms are very confusing because of the background. Yeah, at a point I didn't know. It's like I was looking at the, the, the thing in the middle, but it's not it. Okay, God help me. So, uh, Jesus, oh God, help me. Trying to put my thoughts together for the next five minutes and probably pray with you. I don't want to keep you here for long. Jesus now tells them, you know what? We can't send them home. We need to feed them. And Jesus said, for us to feed them, you need to sit them down. Do you know why there is also lack of impact and transformation in the lives of our people who come to our churches? Because they can't sit. You can't stand and receive from him. You can't stand and be fed. You need to sit and eat. If Jesus wants to feed you, if you come to bread of life, allow us to dish you. Don't be moving about everywhere. Sit. Every prayer meeting and prayer line you've registered. You are on multiple prayer lines. In fact, if there is a prayer chain without your name, it's, a, it's, it's an anomaly. It's an error. Every prayer chain. You have every sticker and, and wristband. Wristband of this. Banner of this. Sticker of this. Sometimes you put some of the sticker on your stomach, on your forehead. before. I mean, you, you have a problem. You don't know how to sit and be fed. The curse that Jacob had placed on the sun was because you are unstable, you can't prosper. People fail to realize that there is a correlation, a direct correlation between prosperity and stability. You can't have many fathers and prosper. You can't have many... Uh, mothers and prosper. You can, you can, you, you have only one pastor God will give you, and stick to your pastor. Amen. Did you hear that? Amen. Jesus said, "I want to feed them, but until they sit, they can receive." <laughs> and so Jesus sat them down, and they came to Jesus. That's why I told you what you have is enough, and that's the the thrust of my sermon to you to this this evening. Um, before I close, Jesus said unto them that, okay, if, we, if money, if we have 200 penny worth and it will still not be enough, what is available? Um, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, came to him and said, okay, uh, there is nothing here. In fact, the shops are even closed. I only saw a boy with his lunch. A boy with a happy meal. He has two fishes. Five loaves of bread. I can imagine if the loaves were five, the size of it. 
It means they were small. Because how can a big, a small boy be walking about with five big loaves like the ones they make in Ghana? That they add a lot of yeast. And the more you eat them, the more you lose your six packs and have one pack. A lot of Ghanaian men have one pack by default. How many of you remember the butter bread? There was butter bread, there was tea bread, there was sugar bread. Oh boy. So you get the, you get the tea bread and if it, is, if it is hot, the boy's meal, five loaves, two fishes. And Jesus said, if you're saying there is nothing here, I can work with what is available. I just came to tell somebody that whatever God has given to you, God can work with it. Maybe you don't have a lot of education, but God can work with what you have. You might not have a lot of capital, but what you have, God can work with it. Can you look at somebody and say, God can work with what you have? No, no, no. tap somebody that God can work with what you have. I just want you to be a bit involved for the next three minutes. Can you walk about and touch three people and tell them God can work with what you Whatever you have, God can work with it. You might have only two loaves, two, two fishes and five loaves, but God can work with what you have. Jesus said unto them that uh, there is nothing available. I understand. But what a boy has is enough. It's amazing that people fail to appreciate that God does not need a lot. He needs the available. Whatever is available, God can work with it. The other day, the Bible says that and the man called Moses was taking the people of Israel to the promised land. And whilst they were going, the Bible says that the enemies were after them. And when they looked to their right, they saw mountains. When they looked in front of them, they saw the sea just looking at them, staring them in their faces. And the man Moses was troubled. He was perplexed because he had no clue what he should do or what he could do. And the Bible says that he asked God, God, these people are coming. What do I do? God said, what is in your hands? He said, I just have a rod. He said, the rod is enough to bring a miracle to my people. It's amazing, it's amazing for me to tell you that whatever is in your hands, God can use it to bring a change to your family, to bring a change to your community, to bring a change to Bristol. You might not be tongue-talking, spirit-filled. You might not have all the attributes and the abilities of the people of old, but the anointing God has given to you is enough to bring a change to this community. May that grace upon your life multiply. May what God wants to do with your life. May God bring it to look at somebody and say he's talking to me. Sometimes God does not need the superfluous. He uses the simple to do the outstanding. God always uses the least, he uses the least likely to do the almighty. It was just a rod in the hands of the Moses. But believe it or not, it parted the Red Sea into two. Hallelujah. And the people of God walked on dry land. Amen. Whatever you hold, I pray that it will open things up for you. And the people around you and the people behind you, can I prophesy to somebody who believes in God? May the grace upon your life, may whatever God has placed in your hands go ahead of you and open everything up for you. 
scripture says, and it's amazing that the Bible says that he said, bring, let them bring it to me. They brought the five loaves and the two fishes to Jesus and Jesus did not ask them to go on the mountain. Because the things that will bring you miracles does not really need lengthy hours praying about them. Jesus lifted it up and gave thanks. When Jesus gave thanks, he moved through leadership. You know that it's very difficult for you to get people these days to serve in church. Very difficult because people, especially those of you who live in Europe, you are chasing the, the bills. You have bills to pay at the end of the month. You have some commitments. Because of that, it's very difficult for you to get them devoting their time. But see the flow of the miracle. The miracle never got into the hands of the people without going through the hands of the disciples. The closer you stay to Jesus, the better place you are to receive the miracle. The people experienced the bread, but the bread was not from the hands of Christ. Let me help you. You have been praying and believing God for a miracle. Is going to come through the hands of his servants. You can never bypass your pastor and get a miracle. That might be too deep for you. Take it home and digest it. Because it will not come from the hands of Christ. He'll always give it to his disciples. From his disciples, it gets into the hands of the leaders of the tables. Because they sat in groups. Yes. That is what the people who do the cell systems of church, that's what they use. That if there is going to be feeding, you the pastor, you are supposed to feed the cell leaders. Or the leadership around you, they are supposed to feed the cell leaders. The cell leaders are supposed to feed the people. But the, what I want you to take home from all of this, is that it was small in the eyes of the people. Yes. But when there is order and structure, God can pull out from the bag what appears to be insignificant Amen. and makes it a point of reference for the world to behold. I pray for you that no matter what yes. you hold in your hands, can you please be upstanding? Today is the first night. I don't want to keep you here for long. I want to pray with you. I want to start ministering to you. I want to set the ball and the tone of the service for the next couple of days. Oh, yes. You ready? Ask your neighbor, are you ready? Come on, ask your neighbor, are you ready? Please ask your neighbor, what do you have in your hands? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? There is a mystery when it comes to God. That God will never move you in a mighty way if he does not ask you what you have. And until you are able to also catch a revelation of what you hold in your hands, you are not ready to be used by him. For some of you, it is your heart to serve.
that is what you have. Some of you, your eyes, you can't behold death in any place. If there is filth, you get disgusted. It is a peculiar attribute that you have. And you might be thinking it's not something God can use. But maybe God is just telling you, you I made you detest filth so that you can start a cleaning company. Do you have no idea? Because whatever you are born to do, whatever happens to be in your line, what we call your blueprint, it was given to you from your inception. And so God is not going to bring you a new gift. You have to discover your gift. If I tell you God is going to bring you a gift, it undermines sovereignty. It also uh, destabilizes and disrupts the flow of what we call divine omniscience. If God is all-knowing and he knows your end from your beginning and before you were a clot of blood in your mother's womb, he knew you. It means that whatever he knows you will need for your journey, he had given them to you before you came. So it is not a matter of you receiving it. It is a matter of you discovering it. So the problem is that people don't live to discover what they were given as their abilities. So you are chasing after things that are not within your natural domain. You talk to people nicely and when there is a storm, even in your class, when you are growing up in school, when there is a problem, you are able to settle it and God was giving you that that thing for customer relations and he said you wanted to be a carpenter because you couldn't discover your wealth is connected to the attribute he gave you anything outside your attribute that you you dare to do becomes a point of weakness there are some things that do not come to you naturally. Of course, one of my masters was in HR. And you will understand that even when you are leading, you have to staff your weaknesses. So what you don't have the natural ability for, you get somebody who has it. Do you know your natural? What do you have? It's very important to me. You might not be the Moses standing be, um, 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 and staring at the Red Sea. You might not have the mountains on your left and on your right. You might not have the armies of Egypt behind you. But in contemporary times, you might have bills chasing you. If you look at your left and on your right, you might have mortgage to clear. If you look in front of you, there is a job insecurity. But what do you have in you can only navigate your way through life with what God has given to you? What do you have in your hands? If you don't know what you have, then there is a problem. Maybe we have to do a forensic audit and tell you your blueprint. Because it is what you have that will bring you the miracle. Look at somebody and say, It is only what you have. 
Jesus said is not going to fall from heaven. Jesus was not asking for the manna to fall. He could have just lifted up his hands and said, you did it in times past. Open the floodgates in abundance. And he would have said that. And who knows, maybe the curtains of the heavens might have been moved for food to rain on them from on high. He said, no. In the earth realm, is there anything available? What do you have? So we, we don't have anything, but there's a boy. Sometimes the people God who used to bring miracles are not the people you expect them to carry the miracle. Was a boy. Boy. Not a man, not a woman, a boy. Don't underestimate anybody around you. Because they might be holding the key to your next level. And if you are a young man or a young woman, never underestimate the power of your youth. I keep saying this. Timothy became a bishop at 17 years old. How old are you? How old are you? 20? 18? 20? 18? 16? I want to find some few young people again. How old are you, young lady? 11. How old are you, sir? 15? 18? 14? So I'm having 14s, 15s, 18s. In fact, you are in your prime time to do well. Listen. In, the, in, in, in times past, how old are you? 16. 16. In times past, you needed to be like 40 years to fit the bill of mad interpretation of life that life begins at 40. Now retirement planning begins at 40. In fact, retirement begins at 40. You have only the ages of 20 to 20 to plan and to break through. 20 to another 20. By 40 years, I'm not talking about your generation, you are already gone. I'm talking about those who are coming. I'm talking about their generation. It's the fast lane, fast track generation. Where people make money based on their creativity. Now, somebody can sit down and develop an app and immediately will get a million subscribers and become a millionaire overnight. That's the kind of generation I'm talking about. They don't need to go out to get a shop. But they can sit behind their computers and create something. And the world will feed on it. These days, people even buy wallpapers. And people do creative designs. They design wallpapers. People buy the wallpapers for their phones. Probably 50p. P. 50p. By 50 cents. Of 50 pesos in my country and if you get if you get 20 million people out of the 7 billion people who live in this world 20 million buy your wallpaper which is an insignificant fraction of the entire population buying your wallpaper for 50p 
out of the 7 billion and 20 million, which is a very insignificant figure, it puts you at 10 billion pounds. And they did not do anything but just sit down and create something nice. That's the kind of generation they live in. So if your child is creative, instead of you telling your child, go and do medicine. I, I want you to be a doctor. It's just a title. Most of them are broke. <laughs> no, I'm, and I'm telling you, what I mean is, what, if you force a child to be what the child is, of course, there are always, the smart ones will always have SSS to explore. So somebody can be a medical doctor because he is book smart. But in their natural domain, that is not what they want to do. Probably they want to be in home decoration. Because that's what they love. What you have in your hand is the only thing that will bring you joy and influence. What do you have? Can you ask your neighbor before we pray? I am giving you the next 30 seconds to just do an introspection. I want you to put your right hand up. And I want you to start praying. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That whatever you have in your hands, may it be the tool to feed your 5,000. That is your customer base. That was what, I mean, if I am to break it down for you, he was talking about his clientele base. Do you have what it takes to feed your clientele base? Now God wants you to pastor 5,000 people. Do you have the word for them? God wants you to pastor 10,000 people. A man walked up to me. TMH, our numbers have reached 7,000. A man walked up to me and said to me, how do I pastor a large congregation? I've been pastoring for years and the church is not growing. And I asked him, do you have the meal to feed them? It is not just the numbers coming, but can you feed them? How big is your pot? That they can all dish out their soups and still you can have extra. What is the gas you have in your tank to go on that long journey? What do you have? I want you to pray. Before the Holy Ghost starts moving, I just want you to pray. Come on, lift up your voice. Oh, come on, lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your voice. Come on, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Oh, yes, lift up your voice. What do you have in your hands? Come on, lift up your voice. That it will be a blessing. Oh, how I wish you knew what we were talking about. That it will be a blessing. Come on, lift up your voice. Can we do the last prayer? Hold the hand of somebody. 
the hand of somebody. I want you to pray for your neighbor. That they will never cast their young. That they will never abort their dreams. Sometimes fear can become an abortive conduit to your dreams. Sometimes fear. Sometimes indiscretion. Sometimes the wrong crowd. Sometimes the wrong person in your life can just shatter and scatter your dreams. You want to pray to God. It's the last prayer I want you to pray for your neighbor. That they will never abort that dream God gave them. Some of you, God gave you dreams to lead. God gave you dreams to plant. God gave you dreams to establish things. And it appears to be elusive. You can't abort it. Now you will not cast your young. Come on, lift your voice and pray. Come on, lift your voice and pray. Kadabadi grado sheke de lebosha. Will you lift your voice and pray? Would you please lift your voice and pray? Come on, pray to God. Pray to God. Pray to God. Kadaba grado sheke de boliba sunde. Ligrando se gede boshanda da 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 da. Ligrando boshanda ba granda ba da grande boshanda da 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 da. Come on, will you lift up your voice? Ligrando ba da ba granda ba da ba ya. Ligrando ba da ba ya granda ba da ba ya. Aya granda ba da ba granda ba da ba ya da. Kondolo la boshanda de bosheke de 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 ya. Come on, lift up your voice. Magrodo Boshanda Badabaya. Riba Baba Baba Granda Badaba Grando Segere Boshanda. Ibranda Baba 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 Badaba Sayandaba. Legranda Baba 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 Granda Badaba Zugranda Badabaya. Legranda Bazugranda Badaba Sanda Badabaya. Come on, lift up your voice. Magro, Dibazo, Yebebebe. Rabba Baba Grado, Sanda Badabaya, Granda Badabaha. Le Granda Badaba, Sanda Badabaya. Come on, will you lift up your voice? Come on, will you lift up your voice? Come on, will you lift up your voice? Come on, would you lift up your voice? Would you lift up your voice? Holy Ghost, will you lift up your voice? Come on, would you lift up your voice? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I want you to leave the hand of your neighbor. And I want you to lift up your hands. Lift up your hands now. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, sweet Spirit of God. People of God, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. I'm hearing it. I'm, I'm hearing. I'm in the realm of the Spirit, I see rains 
And I saw the rains touching dry grounds. And when it touched the dry grounds, immediately I saw plants sprouting. And the Lord told me that even out of difficult places and circumstances, I am bringing back life and performance. Some of us have gotten to the end of the rope. And things are tight and hard. But the Lord just spoke unto me that I'm bringing a turnaround. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Can I get your hands lifted, people of God? I just want you to, to just worship if you can. Just worship if you can. Just thank God for the lottery. Thank you for the lottery. Thank you for the lottery. Thank you for the lottery. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, sweet Spirit of God.